What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Chiefs Kingdom, welcome into the latest episode of the AP Draft Room Podcast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. I am Ron Cobb Jr., the lead analyst of the site, coming to you usually as, as you know as the host of this show. That is what I usually do on these Friday shows. But you know, today I, 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 I'm bringing on a special guest because he is—you've heard him on the podcast network. I, I imagine quite a bit if, you, if you're if you're a listener. Rocky Magana, he hosts the Beach Season podcast. I love the name, by the way. I got to give you credit on the name. That's, that was a great name for a podcast. I I suck with the with the with the boring stuff on on AP Draft Room, but but Rocky got creative, so I'm bringing him on. We're gonna we're gonna get some takes off. We're gonna get some draft takes off. Um, you know, just just talk draft. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest with the people in a second, but Rocky, I'm just gonna welcome you in. How are you doing tonight? Oh man, bro, I am ecstatic to be on the preeminent. Chiefs Draft Podcast in Chiefs Kingdom with the top analyst, Ron Top Cop. The top analyst. <laughs> if you're the top analyst, then I am the bottom de- degenerate of Chiefs Kingdom. And I am 100% standing behind that title as well. I'm just stoked to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Hey, man, the degeneracy label. That's Don't hog that too much, man. I, uh, you know, since since gambling got legal here in Kansas, it's been, uh, you know, it's 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 been hard to uh, to step to, to keep myself away, man. You know, you got to got to hit the casinos every once in a while to hit the hit the hit it every once in a while. So I, I tell you, it's a damn miracle. We still have roofs over our head. <laughs> That's why, hey, we, we have the uh, the other halves of us to keep us, you know, keep us grounded, you know, keep us, you know, away from from getting too crazy with the bets. Uh, and we're going to be making some bets tonight, you know, on on some draft prospects, maybe getting some takes off. But no, I got to I got to let the people in on this, Rocky, because I do think it's funny. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's late. You know, we're, we're recording late on a Thursday night um, because we got to get the, we got to get a pod with the people. But uh but you know, it's it's been an it's it's been a crazy week for me. I've uh, I've I had a great guest on earlier this week, Justin Mello of the Draft Network. Does a great job covering the draft. He has all these reports. He does interviews with prospects. Had a great uh, great conversation with him. But man, his audio is terrible. Uh, I don't know what happened there. We could not salvage it. Uh, so shout out Justin. He he joined me. Um, make sure you follow him on Twitter. Does a great job breaking. Down. He has all the prospect interviews. Has top 30 visits he, he tweets them out then i had my guy sterling Faroe all lined up for tonight uh from bills sb nation site um he does a lot of good work with draft stuff and, and just covers the bills but you know your your boy your boy did not uh do very good scheduling and and, and over myself so rocky steps in and and just and just comes in clutch man that's what you do rocky you're a clutch guy you come in clutch and uh, and and now we're recording very late Thursday night to get a to, to get a pod of the people, get them something to listen to on Friday. So, uh, yeah, that's what we're doing tonight, Rocky. Then, and that's why I want to again appreciate uh, extend my appreciation for your joining because uh, you know you're an East Coast guy, man. So it's a little even later than than it is for me. You know, it's it's, it's East Coast there. Listen, I might not be the first choice, but I'm the first backup oh, plan, yeah. and that's what I'm all about, baby. You know what? You show up for people, and they'll show up for you. So if I'm able to be available, then I'm here, man. Hey, man, the the people got to know, you know, I, I we were going to have a, a, a fun little collab next week. I was going to get with you guys and just battle rankings a little bit, kind of compare rankings. You and Price, obviously, on the Beach Season podcast. Uh, Caleb and Nate have joined me on the show at times, you know, and we're all kind of ranking the guys. But we'll get into that. We'll get into that. We'll talk about prospects. We'll talk about how they line up, uh, you know, comparatively at their position. But we did get a little news, uh, NFL draft news. Hey, it is in Kansas City, so this is important to us. We we, we got the list of players that are going to be attending the draft, and and I do think there's some interesting names. But I'll just name them off right here. Um, I, I I don't have the count, um, but I'll just I'll just say them. 
Uh, wide receiver Jordan Addison from USC. Will Anderson from Alabama. Brian Branch, the safety from Alabama. Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle from Georgia, still invited after all, you know, a very, very messy offseason. Zay Flowers, Boston College wide receiver. Christian Gonzalez, the Oregon cornerback. Paris Johnson, Jr., the Ohio State offensive tackle. Will Levis, the Kentucky quarterback. Joey Porter, Jr., the cornerback from Penn State. Anthony Richardson, the quarterback from Florida. Bijan Robinson, Texas running back. Wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State, one of three receivers that are invited. C.J. Shroud, the quarterback from Ohio State. Keon White, the Georgia Tech defensive lineman. Tyree Wilson, the Texas Tech defensive lineman. Devon Witherspoon, the Illinois corner, and Bryce Young, obviously, the Alabama quarterback. So, I, I, I again, I did not count as I did that. I think there's about 16, 17 names. You know, I'm, I'm going to guess there, Rocky. Um, any any uh, any names, first off, just kind of surprise you on the list, or are there any names kind of that, that you feel are, are really kind of noticeably off the list? What are your kind of initial takeaways here? Where's all the big boys at, Ron? We got we got Paris Johnson Jr., but there's no Broderick Jones. There's no Peter Skaronsky. There's not a there's not a single interior offensive lineman, uh, you know, listed. No Osiris Torrance, and you know yeah. there's going to at least be one or two interior offensive linemen going in the draft. And if you're going to tell me that Peter Skaronsky and Broderick Jones are going to make it out of round one, like not a chance. Like they wouldn't make it past the Chiefs. They're not even going to make it to the Chiefs. So, I mean, where's the love for the big boys? That's I'm with you, man. I'm with you because even I would even say defensive line is even a little skinny um, comparatively to what they could have. Um, you know, Miles Murphy noticeably not invited. You know, the, uh, a, a projected first round pick for sure. I mean, a, a lot of people don't see him going outside the top fifteen. But you're right, man. The offensive tackles, Paris Johnson Jr., the only one invited. I mean, I, you know, Skaronsky, You know, whether or not he plays guard or offensive tackle, you know, in the league, I think he's an offensive tackle and he's my number one offensive tackle. But no matter what, he's going to be drafted pretty early, man. He's that good of a player. And and then and then Keon White's name kind of just stands out to me, too. He's he's a guy that, you know, hey, I I like quite a bit. You know, I think he's going to be a, a quality player at the NFL level. You know, he's got the got a lot of power, got a lot of, you know, kind of that prerequisite, you know, strength and, and definitely has some things to round out about his game. But I would not expect him to be being taken in the first round. Honestly, does that surprise you at all to see him on that list? A hundred percent, but there's enough shade thrown Keon White's way that I'm just like, you know what? Enjoy your free trip to Kansas City and enjoy. And you know what? You probably aren't going to go in the first round, but you know what? Enjoy a second night in Kansas City. Go get some some Arthur Bryant's, bro. Go get some Gates and let them let them yell at you when you walk in the door and say, "Hey, may I help you?" And just take it all in, and then have the Chiefs draft him at 63, and then just stay in town. You know, and then everything's think- going to work out great. The other, there one more, one more name though, really quick. There's no Brian Brzee on this list either, yeah. which is interesting that that he's not on there because if if he doesn't go in the first round, then that's a guy whose stock is super falling because at one point, you know, they were talking top ten, top top five in some situations for him. Yeah, I that is a good point too because yeah, I, I think he's a guy that that even if he's going late first round, I, I, I think he's someone that it's, it's hard to see him dropping into the second round just because his reputation, his, his kind of, you know, how he's built himself, um, at, you know, up as in his career, obviously didn't have the most prolific last year. I think we all have talked about it enough um, at this point, but yeah. And, and a guy also another defensive lineman, um, Felix Enrique Uzama, the K-State edge rusher. I know he's more of a, a second round pick, maybe more than a late first, but, you know, hey, the local guy, you don't think you want to give him a bone and get him to Kansas City. Same thing with Adebarre. You know, I do think maybe mock drafts are kind of overrating where he'll go. I do think he might have to go a little later than, you know, I think 31 seems to be kind of a popular place for him. But, yeah, no, I, I, I just – I think you're right. I think the big boys aren't getting enough love. A lot of corners, a lot of receivers, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of the quarterbacks, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it makes sense to me. Is there anyone on this list that – you are particularly, and, and, you know, maybe more realistic option. Anyone particularly, you're like, it'd be so cool to see them in Kansas City come up on stage and actually get drafted by the Chiefs. Is there anyone you're, like, super rooting for out of all the guys that are actually going to be there on the stage? So, realistically, off of this list, guys who, who could be there at 31, looking at it, honestly, I would love to see Brian Branch's name get called and have him be – Kansas City Chief at 31. I think he's a guy who can play in the slot. 
the Chiefs, you know, with the exit of Juan Thornhill, still need that third guy in the back end. I know they've they brought in, um, you know, they they brought in a little bit of help in free agency, but I I mean I I think Brian Branch would fit in this defense awesomely. Um, other than that, people are going to crucify me when I say this, and I don't care. BJ and Robinson, if he's there at 31, you take the guy all day long. Why? Because he's the best prospect at running back since Adrian Peterson. He's the most talented football player in this draft. So positional value, be damned. You don't got to get rid of Isaiah Pacheco. You can have a two-headed monster in the running game, and he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a, he's a complete player. Like if if you're going with the best available philosophy, if Bijan Robinson's there at 31, there's not a better player to take. I like it. I, I like it. Cause I, I think a lot of people would agree. I, are there going to be people crucifying you for if, if he's actually there at 31? Cause I mean, come on. I mean, you know, we, we got to understand the value at that point, you know, just cause he's a running back doesn't mean there's not good value of taking a guy that's going to be a pro bowl or a, an all pro, you know, possibly, especially if he does get in an offense that allows him to really, you know, utilize all of his skill sets. Like I imagine he would be in Kansas city. Um, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigbo, obviously in that same vein of like, if he did fall there, I don't think he's going to fall there, but um, I do think just, just kind of the way he, he wins kind of, you know, the size doesn't have great size, but has a, a you know, kind of bigger size than what the chiefs have at the position right now, but can do a little more, you know, besides just, you know, besides just that. Um, I, I definitely think he'd be he'd be kind of a fun option, more realistic option though, and it, maybe it's not super realistic. He's gotten so much hype lately, but Zay Flowers, man, I, I'm a big Zay Flowers guy. And Rocky, I don't know, I, I honestly don't know your take on it. So so let me know if you're if if, if you're off if you're uh, opposite of me on this or not. But man, I, I really think Zay Flowers is more than just the other smaller receivers in this class. And I and I really come to think that he is he could be a, a special kind of receiver. I'm a guy that especially in the Chiefs offense, you know. Um, can create separation, can play down the field, can also just do a lot of the the gadget stuff that you need him to do. Um, I, I I think if, if the Chiefs grab him, he'd he'd be the the team's number one receiver right away, and would be a really good one. Um, any Zay Flowers takes you got uh, on you on you? Oh, I got Zay Flowers takes. I like Zay Flowers as a player. I think he's electric. I think he has all the skill set. I think that he's going to have a rough start to his NFL career. And it's, okay. I think it's a, I think it's a mindset thing. I don't think he's a stupid player. I don't think he's not, I don't think he doesn't understand ball or anything like that, but I listening to him in interviews, he comes mm. across as a guy who leans on his physical skills a little too heavy. In my opinion, uh, one example is um, shout out to bootleg football. They interviewed him um, over at the shrine bowl at the shrine game. Um, and there was a play where, where, where basically if they're playing single high, you you take it, you take the you take the, the the route post. If they're playing too high, you break it off to the corner of the end zone, right. right? And they asked him what he do in this situation. He says, I take it post every time and just go past the two people, the two deep, and I beat them. And it's a mm-hmm. highlight that gets circulated pretty frequently of him making that deep catch over the the two high safety oh, yeah. and for a touchdown. But on that play, he says he takes it post every single time. If you take it post every single time in the NFL, it's not it's not going to be there. And yeah. so, and so I think that he has nothing but upside. But I think he's going to go through about eight weeks of welcome to the NFL before he before he has to kind of take a step back, reassess, and then meets his full potential. Uh, that's good insight. No, I, that is that is something to note, man. Because I mean, in, in the Chiefs' offense, I mean, we've seen it a lot of times with receivers. I mean, McCole Hardman, uh, you know, is a good example of sometimes if you're not running the right route or you're not just doing it the right way, it can just look bad, man, and and it can cause you to not get a lot of snaps and suddenly not be a part of the team and not get signed to a one year, you know, basically you know nothing contract, uh, you know, when the time comes. So, yeah, I, I think that's a super important point. So I like that you brought that up. Um, so, yeah, that's th- those are some guys or those are the guys that are going to be on the stage in Kansas City late April. Um, so make sure you remember that. But we got some other news, too. We got some Chiefs uh, Chiefs top 30 visits. Right. You know, some guys that they have brought in. Um, and I actually wrote him up for the site today. Jalen Duncan, the Maryland left tackle was one of them. Um, you know, I it makes sense for them to bring him in. Right. I do think he fits what the Chiefs want at the offensive tackle position, whether it is right or left. Um, he has good feet. Uh, quick feet, you know, he gets off the ball very well, gets to the second level and run uh, run blocking very well. 
Um, you know, obviously there's going to be some stuff to clean up about his game. I think, you know, for how quick, how quick, of, how feet he has, uh, you know, his pass sets could use a lot of work. He's, he's very, very, you know, I don't want to say very, but he is a, he's a weaker offensive tackle compared to the rest of the class at the top. You know, I do think he needs to gain some power, some anchor. Um, but I do think it's intriguing. The Chiefs brought him in on a top 30 visit. Any, uh, how, how much of a fan of you uh, are you of Jalen Duncan and uh, how, what would you think about him as a Chiefs prospect? Listen, I, I am a fan of Jalen Duncan. I think, like you said, he's very athletic for the position. He's, he's, a, he's a faster big guy. Got really quick feet. You know, he can get into his set pretty quickly. Um, I think that he struggles to play in control after contact. Um, he gets a little top-heavy sometimes and gets out over his, gets out over his knees a little bit. Um, he does need to add strength. Yeah. I think he has the body to put on good weight, right? Like that was the thing with Orlando Brown Jr. And I mentioned this on each season. I, I don't know if I did it last week or week before, but Orlando Brown Jr. is a big guy, but he has a lot of bad weight on him. He carries a lot of bad weight. And mm-hmm. I think that I think that, you know, with the right training regimen, uh, Jalen Duncan has has the frame to carry more good weight and good strength, right? Like you look at Orlando Brown's body type versus Trey Smith's body type. Through the middle, they are completely different human beings, yeah. right? And so I think that Jalen Duncan has the body type to add on that good, that good girth. Yeah, I I think you're right. I think there's a few players like that in this class. Whenever I think about something like that, Felix Enrique Uzama, the KFA edge rusher, always comes up in my head. I just feel like he has a body type that you can see how it could be added to, how he could add muscle to it. His arms just seem like. They just kind of seem skinny and not defined for, for kind of the size he is. I feel like he's someone that is younger and can develop. That's the thing with Jalen Duncan, though, is he has been in college for, for five years. He's a, he's a fifth, uh, He was a redshirt senior this last season, has been a left tackle for four years. That's what kind of concerns me a little bit when I think about him is that, you know, some of this stuff probably should have been already, you know, corrected to an extent um, as a four-year starter at the position. You know, he'd never – he wasn't asked to play on the right side or at left guard or right guard. And and he's always had to play at left tackle. And, he, and you know, you, you have this time to develop, um, especially in the Big Ten where you're going to be playing some good pass rushers. That's what concerns me a little bit. And, and so that's why I don't – he's not someone that I would see uh, them taking and starting right away, right? And, uh, you know, you can you can let me know if you agree with that or not. He's definitely someone that's, that's more of a developmental prospect. What do you think about that? Yeah, he's not a, he's not a guy who's going to be – if you're thinking that Jawan Taylor isn't your left tackle and he's going to be at right tackle, then Jalen Duncan's not your guy that you're going to draft and yeah. plug in at left tackle day one. Um, he's your guy that you're going to develop for your swing tackle position probably more likely than anything. Um, maybe after a year or two, he develops into a starter, but yeah, you don't put your chips on the table and bet on him being your guy day one. Yeah, no, I I think you're right. The swing tackle point is a good point though. I think he could be maybe that right away, that swing tackle. If you don't want to trust him as a starter right away, let him develop at both positions, right? Let him play right and left tackle. Um, you know, that's the thing, though, is is if he if, if you do draft him and, and you want to keep with Jawan Taylor at left tackle, you know, how much how much worse is he than Lucas Niang as we know him right now? I mean, Niang, excuse me, coming off the injury from last season, uh, you know, or, or not last season, but obviously recovered last season, kind of you know started to play towards the end of last season. You know, I don't know. I mean, Jalen Duncan may be able to, uh, you know, come in right away and at least compete with him. Um, you know, I think Niang having some, uh, you know, some experience in the system, but I could see where in a world where, you know, maybe he's a swing tackle right away and he, and maybe he gets to that right tackle spot, you know, if Niang doesn't kind of live up to it. Um, I don't know how, how sold are you on Niang or how, uh, you know, how, maybe let me ask it like this, not even a Jalen Duncan kind of thing. Like how low in the draft could the chiefs attack right tackle and still get someone that you think maybe could compete with. And I know I'm throwing this at you right now, but maybe someone that could compete with Lucas Nian. Cause I feel like you could get second, third, you know, into that kind of range before you, you, you know, and that's when Nian was drafted, right. It was the third round, but um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on just kind of how late they could go and, and actually get a legitimate right tackle option? Yeah, I think end of round two trading up to beginning of round three, if somebody slides like a Dewan Jones or somebody like that slides or Darnell, right. Slides. Um, you got you can't have any faith in Yang right now. Not that he performed poorly 
when he started, it's just that availability is your most valuable asset. Yeah. And up to this point in his career, he hasn't proven that. And he's had very serious injuries for a guy with a very big frame, right? And so when you're carrying that much weight and you have these serious injuries, you don't know how you're going to come back, how you're going to come back from each one, right? And so he may come back and not be the same player he was, you know, when he was starting for the Chiefs in 2021. Um, and so you can't put any faith. Right now, the right tackle is a huge glaring question mark. Yep. Right? There is no clear solution there right now. Um, and so whether the Chiefs take a left tackle in the draft or they take a right tackle in the draft, at some point they're going to have to address tackle, you know? And so, well, I mean, we'll see what they do. I'm sure Veach – I trust in Veach, man. I do have trust in Veach. He always has a plan, and it's always worked out. And so, you know, we'll just have to wait and see what he's going to do. Yeah, but at this point, it does feel like the answer is going to come through the draft. I mean, it, it you know, we're getting close. But, hey, the Orlando Brown Jr. trade did happen, I think, the week of the draft or maybe a week before the draft. Um, you know, Veach, Veach season is, is, is still alive and well, as you know, Rocky. Um, so it could happen at any moment. He could still make a move that we're not expecting. Um, but that's the thing is, is the offensive tackle position is a very important one. I would say so is the edge rushing position, and the Chiefs did have a virtual meeting with with an interesting edge rushing prospect, someone that I'm a huge fan of. I think a lot of people, once they start watching them, once they watch him, they become a huge fan of Eastern Michigan's uh, Jose Ramirez, the edge rusher. Um, obviously, a smaller built guy. You know, he's got to be more of a speed rusher, a rush end. Um, 6'2", 240 at the combine. Very small hands. I think it was second percentile historically, uh, hand size. Um, uh yeah, not the shortest arms, I will say, and I don't have it in front of me, but not the shortest arms. But, hey, when you watch him, he flies off the ball. He wins with speed. He has a pass rush plan. He's going to set up offensive tackles. He's going to win inside at times. He has spin moves to his game. He is a fun pass rusher, a guy that, you know, has electricity coming off the edge. And, and again, you know, someone that the Chiefs met with, a guy that had 12 sacks last year, led the led FBS or was tied for leading the FBS in sacks. Um and he has a good story, too. He, uh, uh, and actually, this is something that I wish Justin Mello would have been able to, to come through and, uh, and uh, tell you guys, uh, because he had a great story. He was telling me how uh, he was interviewing Jose Ramirez. And, uh, you know, he, he originally started at the University of Arizona and then transferred to a community college after that. And he actually was to the point where I guess he just didn't really have a place to stay. And, and as he was playing football, as he was trying to make that work, he was actually secretly sleeping on friends' couches not like so I guess the friend would know but the parents wouldn't and so like he would just act like he's hanging out and then like you know sneak kind of in and like sleep on the couch and then be gone in the morning before they knew that he was ever there just so he could have a place to sleep and 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 continue to play football um definitely a dude that that's earned his way to this point someone you can root for easy um so I I really wish you would have got that story from Justin he had a lot more details on it but Rocky, have you gotten eyes on Jose Ramirez at all? Um, and and I know he's a smaller guy, you know, maybe not the biggest Chiefs fit, but uh, I don't know. Is, is, do you have any feelings about him? I love Jose Ramirez. Good. Listen, listen. Hungry dogs fight harder, yes. right? You want you want guys like like Lajarius Sneed. We we we've heard about his background. We know he comes from one of the poorest and most violent communities in America, and his father was in jail growing up. And he's one of those guys where his only option was to succeed, you know. And so, yeah. you know, if you're if you're put if you're put with your back against the wall and you have no choice but to fight your way out of it, then you're going to do whatever it takes to succeed. Like there is no like like to quote the great poet Eminem: "Success is my only mother effing option. Failure is <laughs> not." Right? Yes. I mean, and Love so. It. And so, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Jose Ramirez, and not just for that reason. At the Combine, he had the fastest three-con drill and the fastest 20-yard yeah. shuttle of all defensive ends. He still put up 21 on the bench press. And you talk we talk about his short arms, but they're not that short. They're 32 and three-quarters inches. You yeah. know, for a 6'2 guy, that's not too bad. The right. guy plays with a lot of grit, determination. He's, quote-unquote, got that dog in him, and, and he doesn't waste any steps in his pass rush plan, right? You see a lot of guys who like go way far out around the, around, around the tackle and try to loop around at the quarter. 
that's not his game plan. His game plan is to get his shoulder down, get low, and try to and try to use as few steps as possible to get between him and the quarterback. And you see that in a lot of really successful pass rushers. Yeah, no, he he has the moves of a, a successful pass rusher at the next level. I'm I'm really curious to see how it looks like against heightened competition. Because yeah, I mean, hey, when you're blowing up Western Michigan's offensive line for three sacks, I mean, you know, I'm I'm gonna be impressed. But I I, I would love to see it against some heightened competition. Hopefully we'll get to see that. Where do you think he goes? I guess let me ask you that because it, it's kind of been this weird thing to me. Like Justin honestly mentioned him as kind of like a, a day three, kind of late day three UDFA kind of type. I see him as like a legit third, fourth round pick at least. Um, any 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 guesses, any insight on where you think he'd go? I, I'm going to say he's going to go lower than we expect. Um, yeah. But – I'm, I'm not saying he's going to get drafted 100%. I'm going to say fifth round is his range that he's going to get drafted. And if the Chiefs drafted a Jose Ramirez in the fifth round, then I think that you're going to get a productive, you know, rotational pass rusher who's going to come in and fight for snaps day one. And so, yeah. I mean, I'd be, I'd be ecstatic, you know, if the Chiefs took him in the fifth round. Hey, man, they met with a small edge rusher last year, a smaller school guy um, from uh, James Houston, the fourth. Hey man, he he went off for Detroit. He was an undrafted free agent, um, or did he get? I think he got drafted. I think he did get drafted, um, like sixth or seventh round. But went off for Detroit. Had a huge season. At, you know, one of the rookie leaders in sacks last year, even though he didn't play most of the season. But, you know, hey Chiefs, don't 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 make the same mistake again, right? Let's uh, let, let's make sure we we get Jose Ramirez, uh, you know, in in house if you got the option to. And hey, we know in terms of the Spags outlier or the Spags measurements and stuff. We know that, hey, maybe a little later in the draft is when they maybe take their swings on guys that maybe don't fit that profile as much. Jose Ramirez would be one of those guys. You know, I, I say Mike Dana was, you know, and Jared Sapp has made this point, um, and it's a good point. We've kind of learned that Dana necessarily, he's still a spags end. He just doesn't look like it, but he plays like a spags end. So I do think that's a good point. And so maybe we, we shouldn't anticipate, you know, a non-spags end getting drafted at all. So. Interesting. Uh, Anthony Bradford, the LSU offensive lineman, was also brought in. I think that was reported earlier in the process, too. Um, but it sounds like that visit just happened. A guy that has played both guard and tackle, a little versatility there. Um, I don't have much insight on him, honestly. I just know he's pretty versatile. Um, do you have anything on Anthony Bradford? Any takes? No. I mean, just other than that, you know, he's played a lot of snaps and, you know, against top level competition. I haven't had a chance to really break down his film. Um, something that I should probably do since he met with the Chiefs, you know, well, pretty pretty soon. Well, what we know about him is he's versatile, and, and that's what the Chiefs value, and and that is that is the one thing with this offensive line class that you you do need to consider is that you know the Chiefs, you know, if they're taking a guy high, yeah, he can be just an offensive tackle only. But when they get down, you know, uh, once into day two, day three, they they will probably be looking for guys that can play both guard and tackle, at least have the capability to if they haven't before. I got like Nick Saldaveri from Old Dominion kind of uh, comes to mind as a, as a right tackle option um, as well, maybe in that third round range. So, or a Trevor oh. Reed. Oh, there you go. I like I, that. That's a name. That's a name that doesn't get talked about as much, but I, I I'm glad you brought him up. Um, he definitely has the, he, he fits that profile as well. Uh, I like the offensive line class. I think there's, there's a few guys that that'd be excited about. Well, let's uh, let's start with the break here, and then we're going to come back off the break, and we're going to talk some position rankings, maybe get some hot takes off on some of these guys in the class, get prospect of the week, and we'll get out of here. So I appreciate you guys listening. We'll be right back. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we're back here on the AP Draft Room Podcast. Appreciate you joining. Appreciate you listening. We're talking draft. We've been talking kind of about some of the news coming out uh, so far on this show. But now we're going to talk about our own personal takes on the class. Uh, because I, you know, I, I have finalized my position rankings for a few. Rocky, I know you've, you've I don't want to say you finalized them because I don't want to put any words in your mouth. You can tell me if you finalize them. Uh, I don't want to touch mine anymore. I have too much tweaking. I'll, I'll, put, I'll, I'll push people up and down too much. I'm hands off on the edge, the defensive tackles, the receivers, the offensive tackles. No more. And those are the four I might kind of peruse real quick. But, uh, but you know, I'll, I'll give you the, the chance to say, are, are you finalized on your rankings? How are you feeling about them uh, right now? I'm about 99% finalized on my rankings. <laughs> I think I, I might need to knock Isaiah Foskey down a little bit lower than I currently have him. I currently have him at defensive end 16. And I, I, I'm, I might not even make him draftable on my draft board, honestly. <laughs> I'm so far out on him that, uh, I mean, he just might be off my board, I think, he, at this point. He's one of – and he's 17 for me, so we kind of have him in that similar range. He is one of those guys that, that you do want to just keep pushing down because he's not exciting. He doesn't really give you any sort of any sort of uh, calling card, right, where you're saying, okay, but he does this, and that's why you should – no, he, he's just a very solid player. The thing is, though, he is—he he has good size. Uh, you know, he is—he is a very solid player. You know, and and uh, he does—he does play with good sound technique, fundamentals, in my opinion. He just doesn't do much of else besides that. He might be one of those guys that we all underrate way too much, and then ends up being a really solid starter in the NFL. Uh, he, he's just kind of funny in that way because I—I—I I don't like him either. But the more I think about it, it's like, are we—are we all not liking him too much? Or maybe you know I don't know how strong are you? Are 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 you feeling pretty strong that 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 he's uh that he's no go? He's a no bueno. I, it could all be coaching. It could all be coaching. But you say he plays fundamentally sound football. He plays fundamentally sound football in the on the wrong position of the field. Like he's in the wrong place at the wrong time on every single snap. Like I probably watched at least ten snaps where there was a running play and he legitimately had his back to the running back as the running back ran past him and he wasn't engaged with it with an offensive lineman he was running towards the boundary and the running back ran right behind him like it's like he it's it's his awareness yeah almost instincts yeah his instincts are just not there in my opinion and so you can have all the size you can have all the speed you know but if you don't know how to drive the car then yeah then you can't go anywhere yeah, no, I, I I'm with you. I I, I think uh, I think he's gonna be a, a a guy that that goes probably second third round and just you know you we, we never really hear from as a, as a legit guy, but maybe a rotation guy again. Another guy though you have on your list that I'm I'm just not realizing how high you have him, and I I love it. I wish I was higher on him now that I'm looking at it. Tuli Tua Pelotu, USC defensive lineman, Rocky. I didn't know you were about this life that you uh that that you were such a Tuli guy, man. Oh my gosh, I've been a Thule guy since day one. I think before I actually watched uh, Lucas Van Ness and Nolan Smith, I had Thule at number two just because I like him so much. The guy's got size, he's got strength, he's not the bendiest player, but he's a super intelligent football player. And he doesn't, his pass rush, the, the key to his pass rush isn't that he overpowers guys, which he has the strength to do with a bull rush, but he'll wait for the snap and he'll find the seam between the tackles and he'll attack it and just knife in there and slice into the backfield. And he has the size to kind of play that inside outside that the chiefs like to do um, and get kicked around anywhere along oh, yeah. the line. Um, he's not the fastest guy, but he's fast enough, right? Like he's not going to, he's not going to ever drop back into zone coverage. Like, you know, Spags likes to do once in a balloon moon with his edge rushers. And if he has to chase a guy sideline to sideline, the faster quarterbacks are going to be able to pull away from him. But that's true for almost any edge rusher. There's like hardly any edge rushers that are going to catch up to Kyler Murray from behind. Right. You know, and so 
I think he has enough speed and he's got size, he's got strength, but more than anything, his his pass rush game plan, game plan is all based on his how cerebral he is about about after the snap. And I'm just a big fan of it. No, man, I I'll tell you, I mean, you say he doesn't have, you know, the greatest bend. I mean, you know, for his size, uh, you know, he was he was looking pretty smooth around, you know, coming around um, the, the, the edges of offensive linemen blocking or blockers. Um, I, I really like him for his athleticism at his size. I mean, you even watch, you know, uh, uh, you know, the only game I was able to watch, you know, film wise was the UCLA game. They were using him as an off ball linebacker half the time, you know, blitzing, not not in covers like you mentioned. They don't want to use him in those situations, but just giving him a runway to blitz and just, you know, blow up pockets. I mean, that's the kind of player he is that you just kind of want to get him in a situation where he's just going after the quarterback, um, it's, you know, whether it's over a guard or a tackle. I, yeah, I, I like him. I think he may he may need to get um, you know, some things cleaned up to play full time edge, like you kind of maybe mentioned. Um, but man, I don't know. He's got that size. He was one of my prospects of the week, uh, you know, on this show because I do think he fits really what the Chiefs want. I love it, man. I love it. Derek Hall, though, I got to bring this up because this is a little this is a little sore subject for me because uh, I got him. I got him at number five overall in my edge rushing prospects. You have him at thirteen. Uh, behind Jose Ramirez, which hey, you know you got to love that. Um, and and I will say, pass rush wise, you know Jose Ramirez is, is a much better pass rusher at this point than Derek Hall is. What I what what I think is is getting me on Derek Hall, Rocky. I'll be honest with you. And I talked about this on the AP film room last night. I think he just he's he feels like such a good fit for the Chiefs. And the reason I think he feels like such a good fit for the Chiefs is because he reminds me so much of Frank Clark, and that's that's the good and the bad. And so. You know, maybe five is too high for a Frank Clark type of player, you know, in, in the ways we think about him. But just in terms of, of, of his size, right, he's got these long arms that, that kind of, you know, use this as, as levers. And, and he's not the tallest dude, so he still has that kind of compact body where he can still have kind of that leverage uh, ability, that leverage advantage, you know, when he's attacking offensive tackles. He can corner very well. He's tightening pockets very well. The bend isn't, isn't all the way there, which I think you can say the same about – Frank Clark to an extent where like you feel like he bends pretty well, but like it's almost almost it's only when he wins really off this off the the snap really right like he's not truly bending a lot you know um, just in in the uh, in a phone booth and and Derek Hall is kind of the same way but you kind of see how he, he can set up the speed and attack inside and and, and kind of get some stuff there he doesn't have in much pass rush moves where Frank Clark does and that's I think that's where he can develop into a, a kind of Frank Clark type of player. But again, I, I keep mentioning him as Frank Clark. Is that worth such a high pick? Because you know, I think uh, you know, a fifty-five drove was crazy a, a lot of times over the last few years with with some of the you know some of the non-effectiveness uh, for for a lot of times. So I don't know. You have him at thirteen. Um, what have you seen from Derek Hall? And uh, you know, just just is it a is it a matter of just you know uh, you know having a lot of guys above him that you like, or just is there any is there any kind of telling or calling cards for him that you're like, eh, not a huge fan. No, I think it's like you mentioned, it's just that there's a lot of guys that I like in this draft. I think that you look at it and this draft might be, you know, 13 or 15 deep of guys who come in and are actual contributors, you know, in the NFL at edge. I mean, and I, the fact that I have two of these at four kind of pushes some other guys down the board, like Tyree Wilson, I have at five, right? right. You know what I mean? And so, and so because of that, you know, some guys just kind of get ticked down, ticked down. But really, number six with Felix, I have Felix Anaduki Uzoma at number six. From six to 13, that whole entire range of guys yeah. are all kind of similar in ability in my mind. And so it's almost like like 6A, 6B, 6C, 6, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? You know, and so. That's the kind of class it is. That is the kind of class it is, yeah. Yeah, so they're all just kind of similar, in my opinion, as far as skill-wise, and it's just choose your flavor at that point. Yeah, because I had like him and Ojolari very close to me. I think they are similar players. I just, I just think Hall's a little more um, ready right away to 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 play. Uh, you know, full all the you know all downs. But I will say, I mean, he he still needs some development. You know, I don't know if he'd be a, a surefire you know starter at defensive end right away for the Chiefs. Um, I think he might just because of the necessity there. Um, but he's just one I, I saw a, a good difference. And I think for the most part, though, we're, we're aligned. You know, we both are pretty low on Miles Murphy. Um, you know, I, I think 
you know, I don't know what it is. I think, you know, I think a lot of people say that, and then he just still ends up as a consensus top 15, top 20 player. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I we've talked about Miles Murphy enough. Um, Will McDonald up at seven though. I'll, I'll give you some credit there for, for, for calling your shot a little bit there. Cause I know, you know, Hey, he's a, he's, he's that light guy. He's got that lightweight. Um, and, and it's going to maybe affect him, you know, uh, as, as a chief's prospect, but he's got the long arms. And so maybe, is there, is there any way you see the chiefs maybe overlooking that weight and that size and maybe saying, look, you got the arms, you got the pass rush ability. That's what we need right now. Hey, let's, let's pull the trigger and kind of get kind of an outlier for Spags. Is there any, is there any possibility you see doing that? There is. And I think it's because we, we talk a lot about like, we want to, we want to believe in the Spags outlier when we believe in the prospect. Like, like we say, Nolan Smith, Oh, Nolan Smith all day for the chiefs. If he's there, but he's a huge, huge outlier, you know, just as much as Will McDonald is. And with Will McDonald, you're really just like, you're betting on the traits and yeah. on the production, right? You know, he's a power five conference guy who has what, like 26 sacks, you know, yeah. in his, in his college career. Like the guy's been a very productive pass rusher in a power five conference. Um, and he's like, he's, he's, he's electric, but he also, he has multiple pass rush moves. Like he's not just like yeah. a one trick pony, right? Like we saw Carlotta's come out last year and he was all bull rush, right? That's not Will McDonald. Like Will McDonald's he's going to chop you. He's going to go around the edge. He's going to try to move inside. He's going to try a bull rush sometimes, but he's going to switch it up and he's going to go from one move to another. He's like a fully developed pass rusher. Yeah. And that's where the experience helps, right? Uh, you know, having all that time in, in college to, to develop those moves. So you can come into the NFL right away and, kind of already have a, a plan in terms of how to attack an offensive tackle. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Will McDonald guy. Excited to see where he goes in, in, in the draft. Let's switch over to defensive tackles, though. I think it's, it's one of my favorite positions in this class. I had a lot of fun kind of going through a lot of these guys. Um, it seems like, you know, it, it just seems like a lot of these guys could could come in and just, just kind of, you know, eat up snaps for the Chiefs if they needed to. I had Keanu Benton as my number two guy overall. You have him at number three, so we're we're pretty aligned there. Um, I I think he was just one of those guys where I just want I just want to plant the flag. You know, I, I do I do think the Mozzie Smith, Siaki Siaki Ikas, you know, they they, they could be close in, in some extent. I even think Zach Pickens honestly isn't that far off from Keanu Benton um, as a prospect in some respects. But I don't know, man. I just love how big he is, his his long arms, man, his paws, dude, and and just the way he moves. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Is there anyone in this defensive tackle class kind of like me where you just want to plant your flag and say, look, this is my guy. I just feel like, you know, maybe not even just as a Chiefs fit, but just a player. Is there anyone you're really uh, wanting to kind of plant your flag on? Yeah, I mean, so the guy that I really want to plant my flag on, obviously, well, I love Keanu Benton. He's my number three guy. He's like a little Chris sure. Jones Jr., in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I'll plant my flag on on the conductor, Kobe Turner, coming out of Wake oh, Forest. Of course. Yeah, I mean, this guy, he's he just he he he's a little undersized, sure, but he's 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 awesome against the run. He's got great lateral movement. He's a I, I know I say this a lot cuz I'm a big fan of smart football players, of guys who when you sit and you listen to them talk about the philosophy of football that they just they just get it, right? And when you listen and you talk to him, he just gets it. He started his college career uh, playing for Richmond University, the Spiders as a walk-on because he wow. was going, he was, he was, he was, because he didn't get any offers because he was splitting his time between choir and football. And so he went, he actually went to Richmond to get his music degree and then walked on at Richmond and then, you know, blew up to 290 pounds, dominated there. And so then he transferred to Wake Forest and then dominated at Wake Forest. But he's a guy who is very heavily into music theory and classical music. He, he ran, he had, he founded three acapella groups in high school. Oh right. Gosh. So he's, so he's not like a guy, he's not, he's not a, an athlete that, that that's a musician quote unquote. Like he actually like understands music theory is a really, really, really smart football player. And then translates kind of the movements of music and sound and how it all works together in the same way at, on the football field and how it correlates between the entire defensive unit working together. Right. And so I, I I'll put my flag on Kobe Turner. I, I'll fight for him and bang my fist on the table for him all day long. 
Yeah, that is definitely your guy. He's a he's a top five guy for you in this class. Um, I mean, and he, and you did just review him for the site. Make sure people go check that out. I, I we did just drop that for for the people on arrowheadpride.com. Him and Carl Brooks, though, right? It does seem like you you kind of, you know, you were early on the Carl Brooks train as well. It seemed like uh, you were one of the first people I heard kind of bring him up as a guy um, early on in the process. Is it a similar kind of thing? You know, I know maybe not the same kind of players, but uh, is he kind of a guy you're kind of maybe taking some pride in uh, calling out? Uh, I'm big on Carl Brooks and for a different reason than Kobe Turner. I'm, I'm big on Carl Brooks, kind of similar than I am big on Jose Ramirez. Um, he maximizes the most of what he has. He plays with a lot of anger and power. And in writing the story for the site, you kind of go back and you look at his high school and who he was out of high school. He was a 220 pound linebacker coming out of high school. And now he's a 300 pound interior defensive lineman. Oh man. That's and, funny. and, and on some of the recruiting sites, like, like he had a pro, there's a, one of them, it was called the D zone. I think there was a profile that he wrote and on the profile, he said, said what are college coaches going to get from you as a player? And he said, I'm a guy that's going to show up for my teammates 24 seven and be a leader, not just in the locker room, but outside of the locker room as well. And they asked why he likes playing football. And he said, I like playing football because it's my chance to get out. You know, and so it's it's one of those things where where hungry. I I I, yeah. I like hungry football players. I want guys who want to be on the field and need to be on the field. They need to succeed, right? You don't want a guy like you know. I loved Aiden Hutchinson last year, but you watch Aiden Hutchinson on Hard Knocks. You know, God bless him out to dinner with his with the, at his mansion or whatever with his family, you know, his dad, who's a, who's a very well, well off doctor and everything. And that's great. God bless them. They have a great life, but I want the guy who has to succeed, who has no backup plan. And Carl Brooks is a guy who has no backup plan. I love it. I love it. No, I, I I'm glad you brought him to the light, to the people. I, I do think that was important. Um, two of those guys, both guys, uh, you have them at five and six in your rankings. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Hey, just as I go down, you know, look at some other guys, um, you know, chiefs, you know, fits for the a gap position, kind of that no tackle position. I kind of highlighted on the site, but like a guy, Jaquel and Roy from LSU, um, you know, not the most stout guy. I, you know, he does, he, he definitely isn't like the heaviest dude, but you know, really strong hands, really powerful hands comes off the ball quick. I like him as an option. Um, you know, Cameron Young from Mississippi State, another big guy that comes off the ball pretty well. Keandre Coburn from Texas. Um, yeah, so definitely definitely some options for the Chiefs in the mid-rounds for A-gap. Any guys that stick out to you in that kind of same category kind of later in the draft? Yeah, you know, you mentioned uh, Jacqueline Roy. I like Jacqueline Roy a lot. And one of the reasons why I like him is that you say, okay, what does he do extremely well? Well, you might be hard-pressed to find something he does extremely well. Yeah. But you're not going to find anything that he does bad. Right. That's a good point. He's, that, That's a good point. he's like, he's built differently. So he's not the same player by any means as like Colin Saunders, but in that same type of player where like, what is, what did Colin Saunders do extremely well? Not, not a lot, but he didn't do anything bad. And there's, and there is, there's value there in yeah. a guy who is just solid across the board in everything he does. And I kind of view Jacqueline Roy as one of those guys. Um, Keandre Coburn is just, you want that nose tackle? I think that he's that big beefy nose tackle guy that you, that you want. He's, and honestly, he's more, he's more consistent than Ika is. Ika takes plays off all the time. Ika is a, is a monster, but at that size, you can't, you can't, you can't play every down, you know, you, yeah. he, he plays two downs and he's winded. And Mozzie Smith, I think is a guy who has all the talent in the world and, and none of the, none of the, none of the one, two, yeah. right? Like he's like, he's, there's no fire in his gut. He's interesting, man. I'm really curious to see how he he's in the NFL. Cause I, I, I I'm buying into him. I am. He's my number three guy. I'm going to buy into the measurables, kind of the athletic testing, kind of, you know, the stories we're hearing about kind of, you know, how, just how athletic he is for his size. I'm buying into it, but I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of buying into it cautiously because he had 0.5 sacks in college. I mean, at some point, you got to have a little more than that production-wise, um, and 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 I think some of the effort things are kind of some of the – I think that's a part of it, right? I mean, I, I do think so. 
He goes, uh, and here's the thing. If you're as big as he is and as strong as he is and as athletic as he is, you shouldn't go backwards as much as he does. And he goes backwards a lot. And I think, I think a lot of it is we, we see this sometimes in English college players is that they're not the fastest off the snap. And when they do come off the snap, they kind of come up laterally, right? Like it's come kind of come straight up and there's not a lot of like forward, you yeah. know, attack, you know, when he comes off the snap. And so is it something that can be fixed? Sure. Like he has nothing but upside to him, but I'm, I'm weary of, of his effort. But then again, he's probably going to have 15 sacks next year because Chris Jones's big knock was his effort coming out of college. And then he took, right. he took snaps off and look at him now. So. Yeah, I know. Right. I, that's, that's the toughest part about all of this is, is the projecting part of it. We all know, we can all tell what kind of players these guys are right now, but that's not what we're, that's not the battle, right? That's not winning anything to, to know kind of who they are now. We got to know who they are as NFL players and it, it is tough. It can be tough. And especially at the receiver position, because that's where I want to switch to now. Uh, there are just a lot of guys that I just I I just kind of want to fit into my top twenty. There's a lot of a lot of guys left off that I feel like could could have earned that. Um, man, I mean, I'm you know just to compare a list. The first thing I you know I I'll have to give you the floor here. I mean, number one receiver Joshua Downs. I I, I was not aware of this, Rocky. I was not aware of your uh, of your love for Josh Downs. Um, someone that I actually am lower on than consensus. Um, but it's not because I don't like him again. It's just because I feel like I like so many of these dudes. I just, uh, you know, he just kind of ended up being maybe kind of further down the list. Um, cause I, you know, the smaller guys in this class, like Marvin Mims, Tyler Scott, Jaden Reed, you know, I do like a lot of these guys. Parker Washington's one of my guys. I probably shouldn't have said that cause I was going to bring him up later. Uh, but <laughs> Josh Downs, man, what do you see with him? And, and he's a guy that you, He's going to be in that range for the Chiefs. I mean, you must be ecstatic to, to think about maybe him as a Chiefs prospect. Well, here's the funny thing is I have Josh Downs as my number one wide receiver in the draft, and I don't want the Chiefs to draft him. <laughs> yeah, and so so how about how about them apples? Um, I, I think that Josh Downs is sky more times seven, right? Seven. And, oh, so, okay. and so I think that he's the most sky moriest player in the draft but better at everything than Sky Moore ever will be. And so like it came out recently that Josh Josh Downs has no top 30 visits, right? Scheduled. And people oh, are like, wow. oh, that's that's interesting. He hasn't had a single top 30 visit scheduled. Well, that's because there's no questions. He has no question marks. You yeah. know, you ask him, what does he do poorly? What does Josh Downs do poorly? Nothing. He's fast enough. He has okay enough size to be a slot receiver. He runs great routes. He can go up and get the ball. Yeah. He has enough vertical for his size. He's got a clean background. He had great production in college, right? And so, and so he's just he's a clean of a prospect as there is in this draft. And for that reason, I think he's the safest wide receiver pick in this draft because he has no question marks. Is he going to be a perennial All Pro? Maybe not. But none of these guys probably are. This isn't the best wide receiver draft that we've ever seen. You know, obviously. Yeah. You know, my my favorite who I have ranked number one isn't necessarily my favorite player, right? right I just think course. that that as ranking him, I think that he's he he's he when you stack everything up, he's got he's got the most positives. Yeah, well, hey, I that's the thing is I talk about him kind of compared to maybe some of the smaller receivers, but you're right. He has a contested catch ability that some of these other guys cannot say. And but if he still has you know, the, the same sort of, uh, you know, change of direction ability, route running ability as some of the other guys are comparable. That's a, that's a, that's a huge kind of uh, kind of advantage for him. So, wow. Yeah. It, I, I do like Jackson Smith and Jigba as my number one receiver. Um, I just, man, I just feel like, you know, he, he, he's got the reputation um, for a reason, man. And, and you kind of hear guys talk about him, um, you know, he, because he is kind of a weird thing of player to watch on film. I mean, you like how he moves uh, in terms of like route breaks and stuff, but he is kind of slow at times, you know, in and out of stuff. And uh, obviously he's not a burner. So, you know, you don't have that skill set in him, but out of all the other guys in this class, I do think, you know, he's, he's the guy I'd, I'd want to bet on. Um, we taught, we kind of looked down here. I mean, you, you're high on uh, Jonathan Mingo as, as it seems like the rest of the AP crew is. And we were, you know, and I'll give Nate the, the credit because he was kind of the first one on him, but, 
I will say, I mean, we were we were all kind of on him before the national media started just recently kind of starting to say, hey, you know, this guy is going to be pretty good or this guy, you know, look out for him, um, which I'm surprised about. An old Mr. Sear kind of with his size and profile, you'd think he would have maybe uh, got caught on quicker. Um, well, let me ask you about Marvin Mims, though, because he is another guy we have kind of different different uh, among our rankings. Um, I I like this comp for Marvin Mims. It's one of the only comps uh, that I that I feel good about. It's T.Y. Hilton. I think I think out of all these smaller receivers in this class with burner ability, with downfield ability, I think he's the one that reminds me most of T.Y. Hilton in terms of how he gets into his rates, how he or his routes, how he creates separation down the field. Um, you know, I I because you hear the T.Y. Hilton comp a lot in this class because there are so many guys that can that can do kind of some. Tyler Lockett's another one I think that that people will throw out in this class. But Marvin Mims, I, I I do like him. Is there anything that that you know because you kind of have some other uh, kind of small receivers ahead of him? Is there anything that kind of separates kind of those other guys from Marvin Mims to you, or is it you know is there just what do you got on Marvin Mims or any of the other small receivers? So I think that as you kind of go through and make this list, you you start putting these ranking your smaller receivers and how you like them, right? And then you start saying, okay, I don't want to have only small receivers. You know, at the top, right? Like, I kind of like, I want to, I want to mix it up a little bit. I got to throw the Trey Palmers, the Cedric Tillmans, the Quinn Yeah, I like Johnson's. Trey Palmer. I like, of Trey course, Palmer. my hard eyes boy, my number one, number one on the charts, number one in my heart, AT Perry, oh, you course. know, as well. Um, and so as you kind of do that, you say, okay, like, I like Marvin Mims. I don't think Marvin Mims is a bad wide receiver. Um, I think that his quick twitch maybe isn't the same as some of these other guys like Tyler Scott. I think has a little bit more quick twitch ability or like Jalen Hyatt, who's just kind of that straight line, deep threat, you know, kind of guy. I think that Marvin, but I think T.Y. Hilton is a pretty good comp for Marvin Mims. And I think there's a good chance that Marvin Mims is a productive receiver um, in the NFL. Um, It's just, you know, different strokes for different folks at some point. There's a lot of guys that, that kind of have the same skill set um, as, as, you know, Jalen Hyatt, obviously, is one of them. Um, you mentioned Tyler Scott, Jaden Reed to an extent. I don't think he's the exact same type of player. Um, Trey, but Trey Palmer, too. I, I think he has kind of that burner ability as well to get down the field. Not the smallest guy um, like the other guys are. But, yeah, no, hey, I, I, I get it. I went back and forth. I mean, you know, there was times Marvin Mims was, was down there a little bit, and, and I just kind of – Kept comparing him with the rest of the small receivers, and and I'm and I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I think uh, I think if the Chiefs grab him, um, you know, I don't know. I, the fit's not, you know. I, I want a bigger receiver in this draft. I do. I kind of want to, them to get some size, um, you know, to an extent, um, even if it comes in and maybe a smaller package, but still just someone that's a little thicker than uh, than than kind of like a Mims or a Jalen Hyatt or Tyler Scott. So yeah, so that's. The receiver class. Any any guys? Are, I'll just ask you the same thing about the defensive tackle class. I mean, At Perry, I know, I guess is your guy, so maybe this that's the answer. But putting your flag in the ground is it At Perry or is it is it someone else? So this is a guy who didn't get very much love at all. Besides, like obviously, love Jonathan Mingo, love At Perry, love Cedric Tillman. Go down all these guys we've already talked about. They get enough love. The guy who gets no love is Charlie Jones. Charlie Jones yeah, gets no love. Late round, Charlie Jones is your Wes Welker, baby. We're talking six <laughs> feet tall, 190 pounds. All he does, he ran like what a mid, like a four, four, five, forty. Enough speed gets in and out of breaks. Well, all he does is just run out of the slot. He runs great routes and catches the ball. Like he's 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 not going to be your your highlight real guy, but he's going to get that that blue collar workman pale move the chains work for you. And I mean, he's like, think Hunter Renfro. Like, like he's like a more athletic Hunter Renfro right now. And heck, I take Hunter Renfro on the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah, Hunter Renfro is a really good player um, for sure. Yeah, hey, Charlie Jones does not get enough love. I, I'm glad you shouted him out. He's he's uh, he's my number 18 um, receiver. You have him a little higher than me. Um, definitely a guy that I I think he would fit uh, the Chiefs for sure. Someone that that you grab in. Yeah. He led the NCAA in receiving yards last year. That's crazy. But it is, it's not surprising when I look back, I think back and remember just randomly watching some Purdue games. And that dude's just scoring touchdown after touchdown, just burning dudes somehow. I mean, he is, he's kind of a, a receiver that can win on all levels of the field. So I, I do like him um, definitely. Well, 
We are wrapping up here on the show. We got to do prospect of the week. So let's do it. Hey, prospect. We have other prospects. Prospect of the week. That's right. Prospect of the week. Our favorite segment on the show, weekly recurring segment. We talk about guys. We, we name guys that we believe the Chiefs could take and, and make sense for the Chiefs to take. We're trying to guess as many future Chiefs picks as possible. We only got a couple weeks left. Don't even want to go through all the list of names. If, if, if you want to know, I, I said it on last week's podcast, so you can go back and look at that. But, Rocky, I will give you the honor of the floor to name your prospect of the week first here, a guy that you think the Chiefs could pick in, April, in late April. All right, I'm going with seventh rounder, Jonah Tavai, San Diego State defensive tackle. There it is. This guy. This guy plays like he is like, I don't know, a drunken Tasmanian devil attacking a cocaine bear. Like he is <laughs> he is six feet tall, 290 pounds, extremely undersized, maybe 31-inch arms. He had 12 sacks last year, 46 hurries, and 11 hits. Every single snap, he is going completely just like ape S-H-I-T on the offensive line. Like he comes out, he beats the offensive lineman off the snap every single time, just going complete berserker and his hands never stop moving. He is, he is hitting the shoulder pads. He's trying to go under. He's, he's, he's trying to swim move. He's, he's trying to do anything he can possibly do to get to the quarterback. Like he is just like a rabid wild animal after the snap. And he's probably the the most entertaining prospect that I've watched now, small school production undersized guy. So I'm saying he's a, he's a late round type of guy, but you want to take a late round flyer on a guy. That's just going to literally just be bloodthirsty for all four quarters. And anytime he gets a chance to get on the field, sign me up every single time, because guess what? He's going to be playing next to the likes of Chris Jones. We're going to be taking on a double team, right? So all he has to do, all he has to do is bite the guy in front of him and get past him, right? Like, I think if they would let him play without a face mask, he would. And <laughs> I'm a big fan of that. Well, I mean, geez, now everyone's going to gonna go watch this guy. I mean, you're hyping him up. I mean, uh, he's he's uh, not like hyping him up like, you know, you're hyping his his the funness of his tape. Uh, you know, you're hyping that up. I want to go watch him now. Uh, okay, we got a smaller, we got a, a later round guy, which I'm glad because we have too many kind of higher profile names on this list. Um, they're not going to pick all those guys, so we got to get some lower name guys. I'll try to do that here too, although I don't know how late he'll go, but I'm a big fan of Penn State wa- uh, wide receiver Parker Washington. I, out of all these uh, shorter stature uh, guys in this class, he is not a small guy. He is a thick dude, and you see it when he plays, man. Um, not only can he uh, can he win at the catch point um, to an extent, he is shorter, um, but he he can break tackles. He is not an easy dude to bring down. I'm at his size, which I should have up while I'm talking about him. I can pull it up real quick. But that's the thing, man. He he he's that kind of slot receiver kind of guy, that Z receiver. Not going to have the best vertical speed, I will say. Um, it's going to be more just uh, you know kind of that that intermediate. Um, he was going to win at the, uh, the the first and second level more than he's going to win at the third level of the defense. But again, he has he has the ability to go up and get it. He has shown that on his tape. He came in at 5'10", 204 pounds at the combine. Has big hands, which I love to see in a receiver. Um, that was something with Jahan Dotson last year, if I recall. Though I might have made just just made that up. Um, but just Penn State receivers, you know, smaller guy, but he had the hands. He has hands, and and I think that makes up for a lot of the stuff with with catch radius when you're a smaller guy. Is having big paws where the that ball is just going to stick to you, yeah. I and he's from he's from Sugarland, Texas, a Texas high school recruit. I think that's always uh you know hey he's, he he was uh, he was born to play football. So uh, yeah, I, I I think he is he's definitely someone I'm excited about um in the NFL. I think he fits the Chiefs really well just because they are looking for someone that might be a little more uh you know be able to break tackles you know yak after the catch. That's what they might miss with Juju next year not having him on the team, you know, kind of having someone that can catch the ball and get upfield and, and maybe break through arm tackles. So, yeah, I think Parker Washington, maybe third round, maybe a little later um, would make sense. Do you have any takes on Parker Washington? Yeah, I think he's a running – he's a wide receiver in a running back's body. Right. And I think and I think it's awesome because after the catch, he's not a guy who gets yak yards by just, like, running around guys or making – or dodging right. and guys miss. He could run through tackles. He could truck a guy – 
you know, if he wanted to. And there's a lot of good football players that come out of Sugarland, Texas. Like hey, Sugarland, yeah. Texas, they know their football down there. And so uh, I'm I'm a big fan. He's young. He's only 21 years old. Uh, Parker Washington, heck yeah, you know, later mid round, sign me up, man. No, that's a good point too. He is a, he was a true junior last year, so you're talking about a very young prospect as well, which I think is always important um, to to note. Um, if you're talking about a guy at a two three year age difference from another guy, I mean that's two three years of, of development that you're that you're uh, you're getting um, that you know we don't see right now. So very important. Glad you mentioned that, and 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 glad you joined me, Rocky, because because uh, we're wrapping up here very late. Um, you are probably ready to. I'm ready to sleep. I, I'll tell you that much, but. Honestly, at the same time, I'm kind of fired up now. We had a we had a fun show. I had a fun time talking prospect with you, man. Um, let the people know when they can expect uh, each season out. I mean, I know, but you got to let the people know. Um, and then also just kind of, you know, anything else you want to plug for the site while you're here? Hey, yeah. Always, as always, check out the articles that we got coming out. Um, not just myself, but the entire uh, kind of draft team. We're hitting all these, you know, prospect profiles you know, up until the draft and then Veach season comes out every single Monday. You know, if you, if you feel like, you know, I've earned the privilege of your time, you know, give us a click and give us a listen and see if you like what we got going on over there. I got to imagine the people are, are listening to, to y'all. I mean, I, honestly, you guys are the Monday show. I might have to get on your guys' show and tell people to come listen to me. I mean, you know, you, you got the Monday, the primetime spot, that Monday night podcasting. Or the preeminent Chiefs analyst has an open invitation to be on beach season, baby. Anytime oh, well, you, you want to come on, you are invited. We're going to collab. Uh, we're going to collab next week before the draft. Get, get, get everyone. I, I want to get, I want to get, you know, Price, uh, Caleb and Nate, everyone kind of getting in here, getting their takes off. So we're going to do that, but appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate you guys going to the pod. Make sure again, you're following us on Twitter, following the site, and we'll just catch you next time. Appreciate you joining. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.